sits down and all of a sudden hears about how my allergies have exploded <laughs> since yesterday valves have exploded since yesterday and how muddle-minded we are right now i'm telling you and he said this could get really really i just big. locked my keys in the car going to get cough drops yeah That's not a good I'm sign. So, like i can't it, <sighs> well, how, <sighs> how'd you get them out my son brought me my spare key he just was <laughs> around the corner that's what took you so long mm-hmm Saying, I just ran down to get coffee. That's a good yeah. son. And as soon as I got out of the car, I was like walking. I was like, because oh, my car, I have uh, the push start, you know, so my keys are always in my purse. The the Durango just like that. I have to actually get the key, and I forgot, and I wasn't thinking. Well, that's the way it works. Medicine head. Okay, now so you can. I don't. I want to make sure everybody understands something. Uh, I've had people call, text, and email me saying. When's this change coming up, and are you sure it's not a April's April Fool's, Fool's joke? I didn't notice the date on that. Yeah, yeah, because I'm I'm wait, that's Easter people, too. Yeah, people realize that I do April Fool's jokes. Not this year. I only do April Fool's Day jokes when it falls Monday through Friday. I don't do Saturday and Sunday. What? Much. I don't do Saturday and Sunday. I'm not on the air. I so can't do it, you know. I, I'm I'm a I'm the April April Fool's jokester. But I'm just saying it's going to be it would be really difficult to top some of them that I've done. Uh oh. Are you familiar with that? No. I got coverage in Australia a few years back. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, because I I had everybody believing during the Bush administration that they were going to paint the White House black so that the terrorists couldn't find it at nighttime. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Are and, you serious? And people bought it. We we even made up a fake a fake uh, website about it. We went all out. Oh, I've yeah, never we done did. that. Wow, we did all that That's dedication to the cause, right? <laughs> yeah. There. Well, f- April Fool's Day is really fun. It I, is. Fun. I personally think. And the other one, the one that I enjoyed the most, is when I I convinced everybody that the government was going to tax your use of the sidewalk so they could build more. <laughs> And you know Jerry Tucker, who used to work uh, over at that other station uh-huh. I used to work at. He actually uh, pretended he was the commissioner of land-based transportation by uh, by feet. Nice. And I called wow, him. Wow, you are like called detailed him up, in these jokes. Yeah, I called him up in Washington D.C. and was asking about it. And we went for a whole hour of people calling in to talk to him. That is hilarious. Because they were pissed. <laughs> That's a good joke. Well, what if I don't walk on the sidewalk that is, when I walk in the street? I that is what now. you call seeing something through to completion. Yeah. And it was funny, man. I'm just telling you, it was really funny. And uh, people called in the second hour, you know, basically bitching me out. Because I had done a whole hour on something and it wasn't really happening. And anyway, April 1, we go from 96.5 FM where you're listening to us right now. To 101.1 FM, uh, where we're going to be at, and it's a better signal. It sounds better. 
I mean, have you ever listened to the streets at all? I mean, you look like mm-hmm. a hip hop kind of guy. Yeah, <laughs> today, right? <laughs> yeah. Today, of today. All days. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, we're going to take over that signal. We bought the station, or Salem did. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't even have to give up ten ten percent of my salary or anything. Uh, they bought the the station, so we'll be at one hundred one point one. This is good news for everybody uh, to the west of us, because if you're in Conway, you're going to hear us. Greenbrier's going to hear us. Moralton can even hear us. Wow. So it's, it's good. I'm excited. The, the, and the reason is that the antenna is on the top of Chenault Mountain. So you're 650 feet up in the air, so nothing gets in your way. That helps. Yeah. So is it going to be fuzzy when people go to it? Is there going to be recording saying, please turn your dial to 101.1? It's, it, there's no way of doing that. There should be. It should be. <laughs> There were, there were people that wouldn't play ball with us, and so we were wanting to do a simulcast, and they didn't want to do it. Ah. We were going to simulcast for two weeks. But they, I guess they didn't need the money. Because it was <laughs> good money was offered to them for us to be able to simulcast. Huh. Which had been, to me, the best way of doing it. You know, hey, go over and check 101. It's better than this signal. You know? That's where we're going to be here in two weeks. You know, that kind of thing. So that people listen. But I'm talking about it for two weeks anyway here at 96.5. That lets everybody know. You tune in and... Preset your dial Lord, right now. Yeah, Lord knows where uh, or what they're going to make 96.5 after we're off of here if once the answer leaves. Uh, but uh, the answer will is... This just tells you how important uh, Little Rock is to Salem. Salem wants a really great, uh, you know, penetration in Little Rock. So... Uh, they spent $1.1 million on the station. I think you've helped a lot with that too, Dave. I may have. You're important to Little Rock. I may have. JR, thanks again for uh, helping get the governor on last week. No problem. I thought it went well. How did he enjoy the interview? Or always did, Or it. did he enjoy it? I oh, mean, yeah. yeah. Sometimes he, they don't. No, he always enjoys it. Uh, I think it's a good opportunity for you to hear it straight from him. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, uh, you know, his record and him talking about it. And I know as good as I am, Dave, you know, I'm, I'm like Diet Coke. He's Coke. You know, he's Coca-Cola <laughs> classic sort of thing. Yeah, he, so. yeah he's, he's anyway, Coca-Cola classic. From, he is right. not new Coke. That's right. That's a good way to That's put right. it. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, he, he enjoyed it. It's always good for uh, folks to hear straight from the governor. So uh, all in all, uh, it was it was a great hour, and, and I know he enjoyed it. All right. So there's all kinds of news today. Yeah. It was uh there was a story on uh, what was it Tuesday that I talked about uh, expansively within the three hours that we were on. Uh, state advised to widen base for sales taxes. I got some questions about you, about that for you, but uh, let's go right to today's. Uh, Wendell Griffin is at it again. Uh, the the good judge is doing his thing in a twenty eight page decision. Ju- <laughs> amazes me 28 pages 28 pages to say that they that the pot growers were picked illegally isn't that a play on words by the dem gas pot growers picked illegally <laughs> anyway in a 28 page decision judge wendell griffin uh issued a preliminary injunction barring the arkansas medical marijuana commission from issuing five cannabis growing licenses the injunction is a continuance of a temporary restraining order Griffin issued a week ago 
just hours before the commission planned to formally award the licenses to five companies. Yesterday's order, however, went a step further, declaring the commission's rankings of the 95 growing license applications, quote, null and void, unquote. For now, the ruling halts the rollout of the state's medical marijuana program. Arkansas voted to legalize that back in 2016, and they're saying now that probably what will have to happen is to go before the state Supreme Court. They'll make uh, their decision on it. If they let it go forward, then they got to roll back and got to go through all these applications all over again. This is not a government. It's not part of you guys. This is part of a separate entity that was put together back in 2016, correct? Yeah, it was a constitutional amendment. Uh, Arkansans voted in favor of it. Uh, obviously, the governor uh, during 2016 uh, election year was uh, against the initiative. I think we had about three different news conferences about that. But at the end of the day, it's democracy. Folks voted, uh, and they passed that initiative, which basically uh, made the state sort of uh, force the state to set up this this new uh uh, entity, if you will, uh, and and that's what you've seen over the last year of just the applications process. You know what you have to meet. There were about what do you say, ninety five applications for yeah, these five cultivation centers. Um, so you know, once the voters voted in favor of that, we started going down that process. Uh, earlier this month, uh, uh, a decision was made on those five application processes, uh, or excuse me, applications uh, for those cultivation centers. Uh, and then you saw the story in today's paper with with Judge Griffin. So at this point, it is independent from our office. Uh, uh, really, it's it's sort of the decision uh, from the attorney general's office as to uh, you know what direction we go next. Uh, and so hopefully, you know, the courts will resolve this issue fairly quickly. Now I'm sitting here reading some of what Griffin had to say, mm-hmm. and he was talking about. To put it bluntly, the Medical Marijuana Commission and the Alcoholic Beverage Control Division have proceeded in a manner that defies due process and the rule of law rather than in a manner that respects it. The court takes no joy in reaching or declaring this conclusion, nor should anyone else treat the conclusion as anything other than disappointing and sobering. Amendment 98 to the Constitution of Arkansas, an initiative by the people, exists because Arkansans want to provide medical marijuana to persons who suffer from chronic, debilitating, and life-threatening health conditions. The prospect that Arkansans must now endure more delay before gaining much-needed access to locally grown medical marijuana should be unpleasant to anyone concerned about providing relief to people who suffer from serious illnesses. Now, you know, that's a pretty strong statement when you say that the Alcohol Beverage Control Division and this new marijuana division have proceeded in a manner that defies due process and the rule of law rather than respecting it. I mean, that's that's a serious accusation. Well, again, I go back to, um, you know, you mentioned that this was, Judge Griffin talks about in his uh, 28-page remarks there that that 
you know, this is medicinal marijuana to, to take this away from anyone who needs it is something he, you know, doesn't want to do, but this is sort of a must. He outlines it there. I think that, um, you know, the fact of the matter is, Dave, this is a new thing for Arkansas. This whole entire uh, thing is new. Uh, the governor mentioned when it passed, this is basically going to be like setting up a miniature FDA in Arkansas for medical marijuana. Uh, the the people of Arkansas voted in favor of it, but they voted in favor of medicinal marijuana. And we want to make sure that uh, that is the focus of all of this. If you look at the members of the commission, um, that was uh, the intent of those appointments as well. So um, I think that, you know, uh, Judge Griffin made his ruling today. Uh, the ball is in the attorney general's court uh, as far as uh, where we go next with this. And, uh, and and so I think that, again, at the end of the day, this is a new thing for uh, ABC. It's a new thing for the state. Uh, so if, if things were done incorrectly, need to be corrected. That's that's something that you know you can correct technically. Uh, you know, uh, moving forward with this. So we'll see what happens. Um, I think that uh, 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 we'll just, again, uh, there's not much I can say. It's independent. There's not much for the governor's office to say about this, but I think that it's something we'll just have to wait and see. And hopefully it is resolved very quickly. Well, you know, since it's a controlled substance, <clears throat> controlled, like pharmacies, I don't understand why it has to be limited to five. This is a large state. And I understand the capacity for growing is a large land as, as well mm-hmm. but i think that five? was in the i think that was in the amendment though yeah. right yeah like yeah. maybe we could ask lawmakers to go back and change the amendment because i well, just i just don't th- i don't see they how can't five. Go back and no change they can't there are certain, they would have to present it right, right and we would people. vote on it right yeah, yeah. there's well, certain rewrite it there's certain things that were allowed in this particular amendment like the legislature could, could address you know with certain rules or whatever it might be to kind of set up certain parameters but but the specifics of the amendment like the five cultivation uh centers i forget how many 30 some odd dispensaries around the state like that was all very specific to the amendment so in to some ways no, well, yeah, in some ways it's sort of uh and if you remember too uh as i'm sure both of you do there were two uh, right. medical marijuana amendments out there and so um yeah well. so so i you know again i think this is a it's a very uh new and young process in arkansas um obviously we want to get it right that's what the governor said all along if this is the route we're going this is what the voters want we want to make sure we get it right uh now that it's in the hands of the independent uh uh, uh commission um you know we want to we want to make sure that you know whatever happens we're doing it uh transparent and and making sure that the people of arkansas you know get what they voted for so so if the if uh the people involved in the suit accept what griffin has said then they can move on and move it higher up into the court they could ask the state supreme court to immediately hear it correct that's my understanding yeah so like i said i think you'll see i think you'll see action on this uh relatively quickly I don't know how the Supreme Court would rule on it. Um, I don't know if they'll agree with most of it, not all of it, or, you know, however it goes. And obviously, once we get that resolution from the state Supreme Court, we can move forward, uh, whether it's going back uh, and and uh, reconsidering those applications again and doing it through a different process or moving forward with the five that were already um, awarded. So, again, it's just sort of a wait and see right now, and, and we'll, we'll – uh, uh, we should. I would imagine we'll probably know something fairly soon. Yeah, because they couldn't just throw it out, you know, the whole shebang. Because if there was that kind of a problem with the initial constitutional amendment that was put on the ballot, they should have stripped it off the ballot 
before it ever got to the people to vote on, correct? Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, and I'm no, obviously no expert. In, and they this did matter. that with one of they the the, ba- right. the ballot measures. You're right, and, and I think in this case, though, I mean, what you're going to, I mean, again, this is just thinking aloud here. They're either going to agree with Judge Griffin's decision, or they won't agree at all, or there'll be some aspects that they agree with and some aspects they don't, and then they'll make a, you know. Uh, a ruling on on uh you know where this what the state needs to do next sort of thing, uh, so I think that's where we are. Um, I think that uh, the the most important thing in this whole issue is just the the um, the quickness of this resolution. Well, I think that this has been a long yeah, process. I it think has people um, are you know depending on uh, the applications. Uh, Investments, well, they, that sort of investment that's investment like we were right. talking about i know there's like a yeah. hundred thousand dollars they had to put up yeah not is that for the dispensary well, or was that for I, the, you know i'm I can't not remember. sure specifically on the on how much but i know yeah that there it was, was a large fee. and it was non-refundable if i yep and yeah that's a lot of money to me that that's crazy but, but you know when all this happened i was afraid that it was going to be the good old boy type situation and if the, if it comes out that that's what it is and that's how some of these people were picked I think the next time they go back to the drawing board, they should do it blindly. Well, I think that that's, that's been part of uh, uh, some of the thought on this. If it were to go back to ABC or, or go back to the commission, um, that there would be a different way of doing it. Um, uh, again, though, uh, this is, you know, the governor mentioned, too, this was about a week ago when, when this first came out, is that, you know, I think he'd always thought maybe there should be some sort of all qualifying applications mm-hmm. basically be put into sort of a lottery uh, and then drawn out sort of thing. Well, so you, you can put everyone do... that qualifies in. And, and, and so it's just a little bit more transparent. There's a little less, um, uh, I think it kind of tamps down sort of the conspiracy theories out sure. there sort of thing. But I, but I think if you put all qualifying applications, you do a lottery, uh, and, and it's sort of at random as long as they're qualified. Or do the thing. basic so, qualifications. I don't know how you do that, yeah. but blindly, you know, yeah. where you don't see the name. You only see their qualifications yeah. and then vote and then go and do the background checks and all that stuff on them. Make sure that their businesses are okay and up to par. Yeah. And then if they're not, then the next person that made it in slipped them in. And, you know, I mean, it, it should be blind. Well, bottom yeah. line is now we wait. That's right. Send yeah. the courts. Now we wait so. and see what the courts do about it. So that's the latest on that. And as you're hearing, the governor has nothing to do with it. Uh, the uh, legislation. The legislators have nothing to do with it now. It's all about uh, the the, uh, the medical marijuana commission and uh, the alcohol. Commission. You ever think we'd have that in Arkansas? The medical marijuana <laughs> well, commission. Here, I never thought it'd be Arkansas. Here, here's honestly. what's so weird is that if they had just legalized marijuana, it would have been so much easier. Yeah, it would have. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not advocating either way. I'm just saying because they made this that. They had to, from ground zero right. that it was make a whole purposes, a yeah. whole new different spin and wheel. Well, and that's yeah. what again. That's what the governor said all along back in 2016. Is like this is a huge lift for the state. Uh, that and and again, that's what that's what the campaigns were for. I mean, you saw the commercials on the air that were talking about mm-hmm. uh, you know this child who needs access, uh, whatever it's for epilepsy, epilepsy or whatever it is. Seizures. Um, you know, so, so it was, I mean, there's no doubt about it that what the people voted for in Arkansas was for medicinal marijuana. Uh, I don't know what the case would have been had it been for just legalizing it altogether. Uh, I, I, cause I still it was about a 52, 48, uh, 
Uh, it may not have passed, but that's result. always the starting. But yeah, so it's one of those things where yeah, Dave's right. I mean, it's it's independent. The legislature's done their work on it. It's now in the commission's hands. Well, actually, now it's, it's going to be in the, the Supreme, Supreme Court, Court hands. hands. <laughs> but and, it wasn't uh, like it was like so, they didn't have to recreate the wheel. We have plenty of examples. I don't understand. Well, there's examples, they... but I will say it's, it is it is definitely a a new uh, new animal for the state of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So. But they saw mistakes made. Sure. In the, in the initial rollout in the United States, they didn't want to make the same ones. So when they come back, I'll, uh, I'll play the theme song I would have used on my <laughs> uh, commercials for medicinal marijuana. And I'll play that for you when we come back Believe here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Todd Starnes is coming up, and then we'll uh, take a break, uh, a capitalistic break, in fact, to uh, make some... Uh, you know, dirty, nasty money, so we can keep the station on the air. Uh, when we come back, first thing we'll do is we'll play uh, my theme song uh, for medicinal marijuana. Then I want to talk about the state uh, sees population shifts. You're going to be stunned by some of that. That's all coming up. Stick around. Okay, here's here's my uh, music I want to use under my ads for medicinal marijuana. Here we go. You know what? Bogarting a joint means, uh, Zach. You have no idea. He doesn't have an, any idea. That uh, means that don't means, hog it. Yeah, don't hog it. You know, don't be just holding on to it. Pass it over to me. Give me it. I'm just thinking that that would go really like, long. And Zach's yes, innocence is just being slowly yes, taken away from. His, well, his youth. His <laughs> We're youth, bad influences, Dave. His youth. Uh, bot- <laughs> bottom line uh, on that was just that um, that was from the movie Easy Rider. That goes back a few years, Zach. I don't, you know. Have you ever seen the movie Easy Rider? I have not. What? You didn't go when I showed it as a classic movie, did you? Whoa! Nope. You can't miss that one. But I'm with with you, uh, Jr. I would love to be the voice at the end. Said, "I'm Dave Ellswick, and I approve that message." <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. Just throw it in there, and amidst all the other ads running, just that yeah. random people are like, "What is that for? Yeah, what, are, yeah. what is he doing?" <laughs> yeah. All the campaign ads. Okay, big uh, big story in today's paper. I thought kind of interesting. There's there's some good growth going on in the state, Mm -hmm. and then there's a portion of the state that's in trouble. Mm -hmm. It's the Delta. Right. And the Delta's been in trouble. A long time. For a long, long time. But I thought that the whole state is growing except for Pine Bluff, which was down by almost... 10% 10% in 10 years. I think part of it fell in that sinkhole we were talking about. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's just so huge. But have you been there lately? It's gross. Yeah, Helena and, Saint, and West Helena are down as well. They're they're doing the same thing. And then as I, I'm looking down a little bit, I'm thinking down by around Dumas and those mm-hmm. areas, it's showing real problems. They're on Chico County. Yeah, which, you know, when I look at this, here's, here's what I think, Jr. Benville, Fayetteville, Conway, Little Rock, Benton, all growing like crazy, mm-hmm. more than 10% over the last uh, decade. Jonesboro, over wow, yeah. 10% in the last decade. I was just up Second there. Second fastest part of the I was just growing. in yeah. Jonesboro. I went to college there and moved here. Oh, my gosh. So here's what it's I'm exploded. thinking. But here's what I'm thinking. You look at that map here, and the other areas are like zero to negative five percent uh which is like the only one that's not in that down south would be texarkana 
and they're at zero to plus five percent. But everybody else is zero to uh, minus ten percent. And if that's the case, it would seem to me that as you look at where you're going to build roads and you're going to put your money, you look at where the population growth has been. Yeah. And but that means that the legislature, Jr., has to go back and talk about how you're going to allocate the money right. in this state. Is the governor looking that way for 2019, that this has got to change? Yeah, well, I think the governor looks at it uh, not just through the lens of how much it's going to cost. There's got to be a strategy to this. Uh, I think there's some astronomical number, and I'm going to get this wrong, but it's something like you know 90% of our Kansans travel on 20% of our roads or something like that. It's it's there's You've got to be strategic in what projects and where and that sort of thing. And honestly, you know, we're not just talking about, we, we say infrastructure, you talk about roads and interstates and bridges, but, you know, broadband is a huge aspect of that. Mm-hmm. We're talking about trying to lead the country in computer science education. I think having rural access to broadband and parts of the Delta that don't have that right now really can change uh, the way uh, you know, those sort of those mom and pop shops do business sort of thing. I mean, you know, the governor's always talked about his goal is for a student to graduate from high school. And, you know, Dave, you mentioned Dumas uh, and, and run the world from right there in their home if they need to sort of thing. So it's important when you're talking about infrastructure that we we you know, roads are obviously critically important. Um, but broadband is a really big part of that as well. I was um, just up um, in northwest Arkansas mm-hmm. and around hardy all those places and i had cell service however my cousin who flew in from denver mm-hmm. was on t-mobile and he didn't even he couldn't even yeah. get a bar and i was like are you kidding yeah and i, th- I well you, that's a talk, vacation spot sure when you talk about really just broadband and being able to get that internet connectivity uh in your rural town uh, it's a it's a very big deal and i think when you know those of us that live in Little Rock, Dave, you mentioned some of these, you know, Jonesboro, Northwest Arkansas, Conway, these more populated areas of the state. Well, you don't, most people don't even understand that that, that is an issue in some parts. Mm-hmm. But if you have a farm and you're out in, you know, Polk County, uh, it may be really difficult to get broadband out to your area because it is so expensive. So I'll, I'll, really, I'll tell you guys that, you know, the governor moving forward, that's one of his, that will be one of his really big focuses is broadband connectivity for the state. Let's, we've done it for our schools, for our school districts. Let's get the entire state connected so we can make a real difference in some of these communities. And then on the flip side of that, Dave, it really just talks, you know, it, it just, to me, when you look at statistics like this, especially for the Delta, while there's, you know, thirty-five, some you know, thirty-some odd counties that are doing great as far as growth goes. You look at the Delta, and we've got to be able to bring jobs. We've mm-hmm. got to be able to bring something that's going to keep people in those counties. Um, and, you know, I think that obviously some people disagree with Arkansas Works. I think one of the reasons Arkansas Works is important is because you keep some of these rural hospitals open. If mm-hmm. you have no hospital, and and the education's poor, there's no way you're bringing a company. Uh, into a Delta community. So, uh, and I also think it talks about the importance of those trade missions. We've got Ruyi Technology Group that's coming in. Uh, they've already done a couple of job, show, uh, uh, excuse me, job fairs. Um, they're bringing in 800 jobs in Forest City. It, so it's it's sort of a combination uh, approach to bring in the jobs to make sure people have the resources they need, like the broadband, um, and and being able to keep those communities 
Uh, it, uh, Fort Smith is a great example, Dave. You see, Fort Smith grew. It was a, it was a small amount, but it grew. Fort Smith for the longest time was losing manufacturing jobs all of the time. Every time it seemed like you pick up the paper, it was another job that was leaving Fort Smith. They have really turned, I think, in my opinion, sort of turned the corner in Fort Smith, and they're looking and seeking new opportunities for that area. What they're doing downtown is incredible. It's kind of a sense of pride. I think there's, it's never to count an area out and say that, well, that's just the way it's been for a long time. I think that's what the governor doesn't like to hear. He wants if we can give an opportunity for a community to say, okay, let's do something different. Uh, how do we bring in companies? How do we bring in, even if it's small companies with 20 jobs, you know, 15, 20 jobs, how I mean, can we market ourselves right. to bring that community in? And I think there's a real opportunity there, um, but it's going to take a, a, a multiple, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, multiple fronts really to address those concerns. And well, I think the governor is excited about that. 20, 20 employees 20 for a company is sometimes for these little, like these little towns, like, I, you know, you drive through, like I said, I was last weekend um population 76 yeah and like yeah. 20 that's that's a huge well, significant impact on the, the employment of that sure yeah and it's not just the you know it's not just the 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 company itself Taxes, employing 20 it's but, but right. it's the indirect jobs it's mm-hmm. the you know depending on what the company is there Restaurant may be could be yeah, yeah exactly so, so there's up. exactly so there's there is an absolute it's just changing uh, changing the way maybe we look at certain things Economic and then division. saying, how do we do this? Where's the workforce? How do we get our high school students interested in going into the workforce? Um, you know, getting the focus less about having to go to a four-year college. If it's a technical certificate, you need to do some sort of job skill, whatever it is. We're we're excited about really focusing on what those communities need, what the resources are, uh, what what are out there so we can connect them to it. And then let's you know, let's move forward with that. So I, I think there's a real tremendous opportunity there, but you can certainly see from those statistics, Dave, that um, uh, the urban population continues to skyrocket uh, in Arkansas. However, you're going to have more areas of, uh, you know, farms and things of that nature. I mean, 40 counties in Arkansas, mm-hmm. that's over half of the counties in Arkansas shrank. Yeah. They shrank. Uh, and this is going to this is going to determine a lot about how you're represented in Congress and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Now we have control of the governor's office, well, all of the constitutional offices in the, the state Senate, the state uh, House. Is is the governor already starting as he looks at these kind of numbers? Start thinking about how you want to you know redirect the map. Well, uh, the governor, uh, I'm sure he's already thought about this even before now. I mean, just sort of really well, kind sure. of, where, yeah, exactly. Just sort of like, you know, wh- where are we going to go? Because I think this is a trend, Dave, you mentioned. I mean, this is something we've seen for a long time is is losing the population <laughs> in the 4th District. And the 4th District, obviously, in 2010 was a very big deal because you had the Fayetteville finger that never worked out where they were trying to go up there and grab the, the university, basically, and that right? Democratic stronghold up in northwest Arkansas. That didn't work out. Um, so I think that there are, are thoughts and sort of plans and things that are already happening now, just kind of seeing what would make sense for the people of Arkansas and that sort of thing. And I will say this, it's not always just about the population. Dave, you made a great point. Uh, we uh, Agriculture is the strongest industry yep. in Arkansas and remains the strongest industry in Arkansas. Uh, our farmers are incredible what they do, where they put us on the map as far as rice production, poultry, soybeans. I mean, you name it. Um, Arkansas is really on the map uh, with what we do for agriculture. 
So it's not just about the population of these counties, it's about quality of life. And to me, that is the most important thing. Quality of life, whether it's the infrastructure, we talk about the broadband, the jobs. If you want a job, there's a job there, that sort of thing. Um, so, so I think that uh, we've got a great quality of life here in Arkansas, but we've got to make sure that we are connecting people to the resources in 2018, you know, that they, you know, that, that didn't exist before. And so I think those are the, the important things we're really wanting to push over the next uh, few years. All right. So some interesting statistics out of this story that I wanted to talk about, of course, the Fayetteville, Springdale, Rogers, Southern Missouri metropolitan area is the fastest growing area Mm -hmm. in Arkansas. It is the 14th fastest growing area in the United States. It was 22nd last year. It's jumped to 14th. What's interesting. I would have thought the little rock Conway Cabot Jacksonville kind of area would have been number two, but that's not true. Yeah. The Jonesboro area in Northeast Arkansas was the second fastest growing Metro area. Uh, they went to what from 2010 to 2017, they grew 1.14% from 2016 and 8.26% uh, since 2010 now has an estimated 131,269 people up from 121,255 in 2010. That's yeah. huge growth. No, it's, it's a lot of that ASU. Well, I think it's just, I mean, what you're seeing now, and it's very, it's kind of interesting the way the two, I think, have, have followed each other a little bit. But what you saw in 1998, you know, 99 with Northwest Arkansas, sort of the sleepy college town, yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, and, but Walmart had been there, you had Tyson, and it really just started picking up. And, and what you're seeing, yeah, Hunt, yeah, exactly. Wasn't it the JB change Hunt. of hands with Walmart that brought all this on there? Though? Well, you know, I think that there's there's an interesting character, uh, uh, say character, he's, he's, he's an incredible businessman, but uh, um, Cameron Smith up there uh, in northwest Arkansas, they call him the, the gate gatekeeper uh, <laughs> or the gateway to Walmart or whatever it was, talking about Vendorville and stuff up right. there when they started bringing all these companies in. So that was really a big part of it. Um, but I but I also think that, you know, what you're seeing in Jonesboro is what you saw in Fayetteville, uh, you know, 20 years ago, where it's just you're just starting to see these these, you know, th- this um, sort of again, this sort of that sleepy college town really wake up and start booming. And there's businesses that are, you know, you got students that are staying in Jonesboro after graduating and starting their own business or whatever it might be. Um, and it's a great area up there. You mentioned being in Jonesboro after having gone to school there, going back and be like, it's wow, huge. this place is crazy. Like they got this big, huge new yeah. hospital. I had no idea. I hadn't been back in like five years because yeah. like I, hate, I, I hated it there. But now I could <laughs> yeah. probably be okay the there. Stuff, yeah, the stuff but they're the, doing. But the problem in Jonesboro, I'll tell you what that was. A lot of the um, older people did not want to, they do not want a wet county. They did not yeah. want a wet county. And so they would not let those businesses like Olive Garden, all the ones that served alcohol, mm-hmm. we didn't have any of those. They didn't want them in. And so now the old guard no. has kind of died off and the new guard is coming in. Plus the college is just, of course, I paid for that. <laughs> but it's booming. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. The, the housing there for students is incredible. Here's what I think. You know, there was a former AD in Arkansas that would not allow... 67-167 to get expanded so that it went all the way to Jonesboro. Mm. There's a reason for that. Because when they towns. get that, well, when they get, if they get a really good expressway going from, let's say, the middle of the state and the southern part of the state all the way up to Jonesboro, ASU is going to explode. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then Fayetteville is going to be left. 
Well, then you're going to have Auburn and you're going to have Alabama, but it'll be U of A and ASU. Yeah. You know? Well, and you know, it's going to get interesting. Speaking I believe. of I the highway, right. they have cut off a lot because when I was growing up, you had to go like, you could cut through Walden or, you know, Waldenburg and all mm-hmm. those little towns, or you could just go 67 to Hoxie and then go yeah. all the way up. Yeah, but, but now you cut you get to through. Hoxley, you go through all those little, little towns, towns again. and now those little towns have died though because they don't get the revenue that they were getting from the passers through. Because yeah. now they've cut it off, even Pocahontas. Like you don't have to go through the yeah. Walnut Ridge. Get ready because when you drive up sixty seven one sixty seven, there's one sign on that road. That Beatles. T- no, that, <laughs> there's the Beatles one now. sign that tells you the the future. I-57. 57. I saw that, and I was like, what? I mean, that's exactly what, you know, yep. uh, John Bozeman's been working on, mm-hmm. making that a federal highway. When that happens... I was like, finally. The rest of it will be built. Yeah, there there are two things, I'm telling you, that will, as far as for infrastructure and transportation in the state, and then you talk about, man, just companies lining up to get into Arkansas. It's not just I-57 on the right. on the eastern side. Mm-hmm. It's I-49 on the western side. Yeah. Those the two things right there, yep. yeah, those two things right there would just, they're just game changers. They obviously cost a ton of money, um, build but yeah, it's a, you know, so it's, 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 it's great to see parts of our state booming mm-hmm. it's fantastic to watch that um obviously we do want to focus quite a bit too on on the delta and that sort of thing so those you, are they need a they need a four-lane highway going to yeah to, down to new orleans that so makes sense just drop down that way would increase the people going through that area yeah. exponentially yeah, very good point all right got to take a break we got more coming your way jr davis governor spokesman is here on the dave ellswick show all right, last few moments with J.R. Davis, Governor Spokesman, and uh, just wanted to touch real quickly. Next week when we have you on, J.R., want to talk about this uh, state advice to widen base for sales taxes, talk about that and what it might mean, uh, but we just don't have the time to do that today. Uh, state, cities, counties sue opioid makers and suppliers. I know that the governor is not involved with this more, the AG or whatever, but does he think that this is overdue of pressing these people about what has happened in the state? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, if you just read that story and read some of the statistics as far as the you know, scripts filled per person in Arkansas, it's second in the nation. 114 Alabama. scripts yeah. to every 100 mm-hmm. population. That's yeah. huge. But you have to also understand there's different levels of opioids. Are they are they talking about just oxycontins? Are they talking about tramadol, which is like way lower? Or fentanyl, or fentanyl, or heroin? I mean, what are they talking about? But the bottom line, well, these they have dropped opioids on Arkansas. There's no doubt about it. Of course they have. And you know what I think too? You got to take into consideration, you know, not just the. So when you look at opioids in Arkansas, it's the number one death threat in in the state. If you look at the number one drug threat, because obviously the two don't act the same. Um, but methamphetamines is still the number one threat uh, here in Arkansas. Um, and so there's there's things the governor's. I mean, this is something that he's former administrator of the DEA. He understands these issues. Um, if you guys remember back in 2016, I believe it was, uh, we had the naloxone protocol. Right. Uh, which was basically, you know, um, providing this resource of naloxone to every responding officer that if if there was a response call to someone who had overdosed, you could give them this naloxone, save their life, get them into treatment, that sort of thing. Um, since 2016, 
they've saved 62 lives with that. Uh, and the drug, um, uh, our drug director, Kirk Lane, uh, wants to get that in every Arkansas high school as well. Because, Dave, you made a good point again in the story that Arkansas is number two uh, in percentage. In, in of, young. Yeah. In, in, in youth. In youth abusing youth. opioids. So yeah. uh, it's certainly an issue. It is certainly something that the governor is aware of. Uh, we've done a lot of things so far. Uh, we want to do more. Uh, and I think that uh, this is probably something that's that's uh, long overdue. So, yeah, but, uh, fifty-five thousand of those kits mm-hmm. have gone out to uh, law enforcement at a cost of between seventy-five and one hundred dollars. Yeah, a kit—that's a lot of money. Is a lot of money, uh, and I think you know if you talk to certain people, yeah, if, if it saves sixty-two lives, um, and that's sixty-two. You know, again, I think it's important. It's not just about saving the person's life but it's helping that person get help mm-hmm. uh and i think that there's follow-up to it it's not just you know that they can uh, go out and do it again sort of thing so i think that um a lot of families in arkansas and i think that it has it's really starting to be talked about more now but a lot of families in arkansas have been um uh, affected by opioid abuse i have opioid uh, opioid overdose deaths um and and again a lot of the times it's it's the children in the home uh, you know, the teenagers, college students. So this is something that uh, the governor takes very seriously. We want to tackle it. And we want to make sure Arkansas not just good on the, all the economic fronts, but also quality of life and make sure that when you're, you, know, you have a family here in the state that your kids are going to be protected. So, right. J.R. Davis, he'll be back with us next Thursday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Fox News is next. All right, we move into uh, the um, 3 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, joining us from over in the northwest part of the state, State Representative Bob Ballinger is going to be with us. And he was the sponsor of House Bill, uh, what is it, 1006 is what it was, 1006, correct? Uh, you know, I think so, Dave, but I don't even remember for sure. But I think it's House Bill 1006. Yeah, I think that was right. And then it was Senate Bill 5. Uh, that Correct. that they okayed. Uh, yours died in committee. Uh, Senate Bill Five from Jeremy Hutchinson uh, got the necessary votes to move it on. So right yesterday, Jerry Cox was here on the the show. We were talking about one zero zero six, and you know he was he was very harsh on it. He didn't like it uh, at all, especially the part about the jury trial. Why don't you tell my listeners about it first? And did you hear the interview with uh, with Jerry Cox? No, I didn't hear the interview, so I'm so I'm not sure. But I, but of course, I've read his article, and uh, and know what he's been saying. And 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 this is the thing is, you know, Jerry and I have been friends. You know, we've been through the trenches together. You know, it this is heartbreaking. I mean, either he's got really bad information that has been fed to him, or or he is purposefully being misleading. And either way, I you know, it it, it it's extremely disappointing. Um, so. So let me just start with a little bit of context. Is the bills themselves, both of them came from the Bankers Association. You know, they're essentially the association was responding to a Supreme Court decision. They were working with Senator Hutchinson, and they needed somebody to carry the bill on the House end. And so they they approached actually somebody else before they approached me, but approached me and really didn't feel like they had very many other options of people who could really explain it and get it done in the 
in the three days essentially that we had for a special session. And so I was willing to do it. So it's, you know, for, to start with, neither one of the bills were really my bill to start with, but I, I was willing to do it because I, I frankly absolutely believed in it. So we filed mirror bills just like every other bill during the special session. We filed one in the House and one in the Senate. Um, you know, and I don't know why we started in the House end. I, I can't recall why why we did one or the other. But essentially, we didn't amend both bills because of the fact that we ran into the trouble. We figured we'd just run one bill, and that's why we we uh, amended the Senate bill and then carried that through. All right. So, so go ahead, Bob. Go ahead. No, you, well, I was just going to say the purpose of the bill, the reason why we we filed the bill, is there was a Supreme Court decision, the Natilly decision, and essentially in the Tilly decision they said. The, the Constitution itself says that you have an absolute right to trial by jury. And, of course, as an attorney, I, you know, I, that's a very important right to me and, and I think to our citizens, unless waived in accordance with the law is basically what it says. Well, they said this within accordance to law is something like we've done with binding arbitration. We've set up a statutory regime and ability, you know, how, how you can waive your right to trial by jury. But we've never done that. The legislature has never acted and done that. Um, when it comes to just a jury jury waiver. And so what they said was, if if we're going to waive trial by jury, it must be done legislatively. And so essentially it was response to do that, to, to make it where we can waive a jury trial, that we have the right to waive the, the jury trial. In order to do that, we had to act legislatively, and that's the reason why they brought the bill. You know, for, for you know, since history began in, in Arkansas, we could waive our right to trial by jury by virtue of the, just having the contract right. Like me and you can contract together and we can decide to do whatever. And so, you know, by, based purely on contract, we had the right to do that until Tilly, when Tilly, when Tilly came down, that right was taken away from us. And this was just an effort to reinstitute, reinstitute that right. All right. So what Jerry said yesterday was that this could be in small print, in an in a uh, a contract, <coughs> excuse me, and that a person could be giving up his right to trial and really not even know it. Do you agree yeah, with that? A hundred percent. Which how many how many contracts have you signed with small print in them that you signed that agreement? You know, you don't. I don't. And I'm an attorney, and I don't read the whole thing. But the truth is, if you sign a contract, then you're obligated on the contract. That's nothing new. That's that's that is just frank, frankly stating contract law. Unless now, if you are being lied to, then then fraud would be a defense to the contract. Or if you were, you know, incapacitated, either you're old or you you don't have your mental capacity, or or you're you know have some mental deficiency, or you're a child, you know, if you don't have your capacity, that's a defense to a contract. But if you, you know, are have your capacity and you sign a contract, if there's no fraud, you're bound by the contract. But it doesn't and say so they, that. It says a party that has signed a contract containing a waiver described in subsection A of this section may not avoid enforcement or application of the waiver by asserting that the party did not read, understand, or agree to the waiver. Correct. This, well, and that's and that's absolutely that is true today with with any other provision in a contract. Yeah, that I, honestly, that that should have never been included in in the bill in the first place because all that is is like belt and suspenders. All that is is just basically stating what the contract law is today. That's contract law. Contract law, and 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 I think that you would probably agree with that. Is otherwise, a person could say, "Well, I'm not reading any of this. 
I'll sign it, and then you can never bind me to anything. I won't have to pay my rent. I won't have to make my house payment. Well, I won't have to do anything because I'm just signing this, and I'm not actually reading anything. That's the way the law is, is that when you're signing it, you're you're testing that you understand what you're signing or else you don't. You're but we're not, not talking about a mortgage. We're talking about your life here. We're talking about your, your going to prison versus staying out of prison. I'm sorry. In, in what in what uh, like in what context? I'm just saying, if you're if you're waiving your right to a trial by a jury, you sign this contract, yeah, you, and you got you got the wrong information, or you misunderstood what they were saying, and then you wanted to go back and do a jury trial. Yeah, you can't. Well, this would, and so yeah, this would have no application to to criminal law at all. It it only it only applied to contract law, and so but but let me say this: that the Constitution uh, or that the Supreme Court has already said that binding arbitration is legal and is valid in Arkansas. So what you're what you're actually talking about, and, and when we're talking about waiving trial by jury, all we're talking about is waiving trial. You still would go before a judge with all the protections and safeguards of a court, but the alternative is to put in every contract binding arbitration, which has been upheld by the Supreme Court, which statutorily is, is the capability, and then you don't go before a judge at all. You're stuck to binding arbitration. And so that's already that is already the law. You know, without this bill, that's the law. Binding arbitration is without going, so you don't go to court at all. And and so what this bill would do is it provide for an opportunity to do that. And, and and you have these uniform notes and uniform instruments out there that a lot of them, almost all of them, have a the waiver of jury trial in them. And and it just gives the ability of the citizen to decide whether or not they want to do it. And and frankly, from my standpoint, you know, and this this is what I said from the well, and and I think it's it's fitting. Is like. I've talked to my constituents about a thousand different things that are important to them, issues that, that they see with the state, things that they'd like to see me do or, or they don't want to see government do one or the other. I've never once had somebody say, look, I need you to go down to Little Rock and take my rights away from me so that you can protect me from me. You know, that's not the, I mean, and, and that's, that's not the reason why I would go to Little Rock. I'd go to Little Rock to get the government out of the way. And in this case, if a citizen wants to waive the right to trial by jury in order to get a lower interest rate, be able to get something that could be sold on the secondary market and get a 4% interest rate for their home, that's their right to do so. And, and it's not – the state shouldn't have any position in that at all. Can I just ask real quick, where is that um, wording where it says this is just for contracts? Because it doesn't say this in the, in the summary or the bill or yeah, it just says well, that concerning the waiver of a person's entity's right to a jury trial. Yeah, and what it says actually, if you read it, is is in contract. I mean, it it makes it real clear. Even the original. Oh, I was that, filed, okay. See, so I was assuming that the contract was the waiver. Well, so you could actually enter into a contract for the wa- for the waiver. Although there, I don't I don't see how you could do that with a in the in the situation with a, with criminal law. I mean, I I mean, I don't, I don't see how that could ever that was ever my rest yeah. or be possible. Yeah, okay. sorry, but but. But that's that's the thing is that you know there are a thousand different ways to get out out of the contract, um, and so then you can get to the 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 jury trial. But from my standpoint, you know we ought to have the ability, the citizen ought to have the ability to make decisions for themselves, enter into contracts, be bound by whatever it is that we sign because that's the way that you're able to bind people to things. I agree. You know, as an attorney, I wish people would do a better job of reading reading their agreements. Although, you know, if you do read everything, it takes forever. And, and I do see the jury trial as being extremely important. However, I also understand why if you're selling a bunch of notes on secondary market, you want the stability that comes with 
with knowing that you're not going to have a runaway jury. And so I can see why they're doing that. But, you know, to characterize this as, as anything to do with nursing homes or as anything to do with tort reform or anything, to, I mean, it's none of that stuff. All, I mean, if it were, if it were anything that was really, you know, uh, disadvantaged, uh, you know, was like a tort reform, then Jeremy Hutchinson, Senator Hutchinson wouldn't have been the, the lead on this. That wouldn't have been his his uh, his bill. You know, they came to me to to run this bill because I agree in the freedom of contract is is fundamental right that we should have the the choice. So I agreed with the with the language, but you know, it, it wasn't a matter of like I didn't visit with any nursing homes before we ran this bill or any of their representatives because that wasn't what it was about. It's about banking contracts. Now I think it should apply to every other contract as well, but. You know, we narrowed it down to banking because we only had three days to get it done. All right. We'll be back with uh, State Representative Bob Ballinger here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, I just got a couple of questions for you, Bob, when we return. We'll be right back. Uh, stick where you're at, and we'll talk again soon. 96.5 FM, the answer. I got to tell you, I know you got to have pollen so that, you know, plants will grow and proliferate. But I sure wish it would go away for a while because it's killing me right now. Uh, State Representative Bob Ballinger is with us. Bob, the big deal that uh, uh, Jerry Cox was talking about yesterday was in binding arbitration, they can put limits on how much you can be uh, given if there's malfeasance. And he was concerned that in the case of nursing homes, that people who were there, number one, when they sign and it's just in the small print, uh, they might not even know that they're signing, you know, that particular thing away. Uh, and then secondly, uh, to say, you know, top that you can get is $250,000, uh, not might be not, uh, be fair and maybe be very unfair. Uh, my yeah. question, my question is this, my first job, real job was I was a door-to-door salesman. I sold vacuum cleaners. A lot of people have started out that way, so make all the jokes yeah. you will. I still think that it was a, a good good thing. However, if I went out and sold something to you, I had to give you 72 hours uh, for that contract to really solidify. But within 72 hours, if you called me and said, I don't want the product, you could return it at uh, no disadvantage to yourself and get out of the contract. Is, is that something we need to look at about uh, nursing home contracts, things of that nature, that there are some things that people should become or be made very aware of? Yeah, what what I, I mean, one of the things that you can do, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not sure what, what Jerry's concern was, but, but he's exactly right. Within binding arbitration, there are some limits. Now, one thing that they do is in order to have a binding arbitration agreement, it actually has to be a separate agreement. So, you, so you can't just bury it into the into the document to do that. That's because we set it up statutorily, and you are giving up your right to a trial by doing binding arbitration. Mm-hmm. But but let me say this: that regardless of this bill, it, that you can do that today because binding arbitration is now. If you if you can if you manipulated the system. If there was some sort of gross negligence, you know, you can get outside of that binding arbitration agreement. But that's not, I mean, my bill didn't have anything to do with that because binding arbitration is legal in the state of Arkansas. So I, I could see Jerry having some concerns about binding arbitration, but it's completely irrelevant to this bill 
because binding arbitration is a completely separate thing altogether that has been declared by the Supreme Court as, in fact, even in the Tilly decision, they say binding arbitration is fine because there's a statutory regiment set up for that. So this wouldn't have anything to do with that. In fact, it may actually mean less binding arbitration because then they would have the ability to do waiver waiver of jury trial. They may never go the direction of binding arbitration, but you would still have the ability to go before a judge and all the protections of court and evidence and appeals and all that. So, um, you know, just what I'd say is that I think that there is, is definitely some confusion that people have on this. And what I'd say is I didn't carry any bills that had anything to do with with binding arbitration because that's already the law in Arkansas. All right. So here in the near future, would you be willing to come on with Jerry and, and, and discuss this with him? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd be happy to. I don't think I've ever turned down the opportunity to, to answer questions that anybody has. (laughs) Okay. I'd be happy to. Uh, Well, I think we should look at that because I'd like you to sit down and discuss that. So, you know, I'm trying to paraphrase what Jerry said yesterday, and I might not be doing a good job of uh, a good job of it. So, to let him get on here and uh, and and put the things that he's worried about uh, right with you, and giving you the opportunity to uh, to uh, give an answer to him, I think that would be the the, the the correct way of doing it. I'll get with the two of you, and we'll make that work. How's that? Yeah, that's fine. And and honestly, you know, it's a uh, it, I'm perfectly good with that you know it is something that is i don't want to mess up your you know if you're dealing with the news cycle or more current events this is a thing that now is done you know we we may have to deal with this for other contracts going forward since we only affect only fixed it for banking contracts but that was the immediate concern and and that that bill got passed so you know we're yeah i know i know we're already past it but again i'd like to you know i want to get you on to talk about about it with him and and, and see if we can assage these these question marks that are that are out Absolutely. there. And I know that this some of this when we get into tort reform, is this not kind of part of what tort reform is all about come November? Not no, not really. Now I think Jerry is kind of tying it in with tort reform, but it really this is about contract law. So so tort reform will be really dealt with separately. Um, and, and obviously, I'm a big, big proponent, and I think we need judicial reform, and I think that we need to put policymaking back in the hands of the policymaking branch, which is the legislature. So I'm all for that, and I'd love to have a discussion about tort reform and, and be happy to do that with Jerry as well. Um, and I'd be happy to talk about this bill, but it is it, it, it probably is better to understand them separately than it is to try to understand them together because we are talking about tort law versus contract law. I think it would be uh, useful to put the words banking in the subtitle and the the act itself as well, well because that would be that would clarify a lot of that. Um, well, and, and so that was the concern that a lot of people had, and that was essentially the amendment is within the act itself. We we just addressed banking, and that and so that was sort of the immediate concern. However, you know the. The the fact that it affects every contract, so any insurance contract, a, a friend of mine showed me his contract for a boat slip that include waiver of jury trial. It, it is, you know, any place that a person wants to enter into that contract, I think they ought to have the right. And, and not just on this issue, any other issue that they should, I mean, I don't think the state should be intervening in people's contracts. You know, the only thing that they should limit is from people committing crimes, essentially. Outside of that, it should be two adults should be have the have the ability to contract as they want without governmental interference in them. But anyway, so so originally it was broad enough that it covered all contracts. 
but because of the confusion and the effort that you know to, in opposition that sprung up the last minute, we narrowed it down to just banking so that it, it was it you know so that it could get passed. All right, Bob, I'll let you go. I'll be back in touch with you to kind of work out a date that you and Jerry can come on together, and we'll uh, we'll pursue this even more. But we appreciate your time. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you, Dave. All right, bye bye now. All right, right. bye. State Representative Bob Ballinger here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Jerry seems to think that this particular piece of legislation will have a, a dire effect on what's going on in nursing homes. I'm going to try to get them on because I'm going to tell you I'm not an expert on it. So I'll have both of them on to talk about it and see what they say. And then maybe we can make a, you know, a, a common sense decision on it. When in doubt, have them both on. I just hate that they all always have to write these things to where the normal person can't understand them. It's in legally. I know, I know. I've always but, said but, that. But, I mean, we but should... they enjoy that because then well, they course. can skirt things in underneath you. Well, and not, also, not necessarily that that's what's going on here, it's but also, to not put the word banking in. It's, all, it's all to make it where you got to have a lawyer. It's, it's a right. thing about money. Because it's from the lawyers. <laughs> Jeremy true. Hutchins is a lawyer. Bob's yeah. a lawyer. Yeah, it's all... I mean, just saying, that's why they write them. Job the security. Way that they write them. Yeah, that's exactly. That's the perfect way of putting it. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, we come down. We got Fox News. We got to pay some bills, and then we come back. Ed Monk is here from Last Resort Firearms, and you'll remember several months ago we talked about some stuff that happened to him over at the Capitol. <laughs> well, it festers even more, and we'll talk about it when we come back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Here on 96.5 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Ed Monk is here. I feel safe. Last <laughs> resort firearms. He's in the studio. Typically, I have Ed here to talk about active shooter, uh, things that happen like uh, the Parkland, Florida shooting and things of that nature. What should have happened, what didn't happen, Orlando, all of those places that they have those kind of shootings. I always have Ed in here. If there's new gun legislation that people are looking at, I like to have Ed come on and talk about what he thinks about it. Because the guy is well versed uh, in the world of uh, of gun law and in active shooting. So we're bringing him on today, not about either one of those topics. We're bringing him on to talk about a story that I talked to him about some time ago. I think. Five, six months ago? It happened in February of okay. 17. All yeah. right. So it's been a long time. And the only way he has finally been able to get any relief on what happened to him is to file suit against some folks over at the Capitol. Now, I'm going to let Ed tell you the story so that he can, you know, kind of uh, renew your, your, uh, your mind on it. And then where are we now? Uh, a question to find out what's going on because uh, Mike Matheson, who is a friend of mine, wrote a story about Ed on Tuesday, I believe it was. And uh, it was very interesting about what Mike had to say. So first of all, let's turn to Ed. Ed, let's start. You start off this started a couple of years ago, in fact, and explain what has gone on. Well, I mean, the, the summary is this, this the evidence looks very overwhelming and clear that a state employee in the state capitol on duty did something extremely unethical extremely dishonorable 
illegal and unconstitutional. And that's bad enough. But then to follow that, several other members of the state government to unfortunately, it looks like, including law enforcement, followed up by being unethical and dishonorable to try to cover up and protect the identity of the person that did that. What happened was on February 21st of last year, 2017, I sent a very polite email uh, to my state senator requesting to meet with her to discuss a piece of legislation, and that's something that's protected under the First Amendment. So I'm not just a fan of the Second Amendment. I like the entire Bill of Rights. <laughs> Two days after I sent that very polite email, a uh, the evidence shows, according to uh, at a minimum, two state police memos. A Senate sergeant of arms approached three Arkansas state troopers that were working security in the Capitol there on February 23rd and handed them my photo and said, this is Ed Monk. Be on the lookout for him because he was in the Capitol this morning. He uh, he approached uh, his senator, got, got irate, got confrontational. She felt threatened. And he had to be forcibly removed from the Capitol. So be on the lookout for him because he might try to return. And the problem with that accusation is it's it's a hundred percent false, and it's not just an exaggeration. It's not like, well, I was there and I raised my voice a little. I wasn't even there. It, it was it wasn't like this happened on Tuesday and they reported that it happened on a Thursday and they got it slightly out of order. This was a complete made up fabrication. I had not seen my senator for four years uh, before this false allegation. Uh, this was completely premeditated and made up a false accusation by a state employee given to law enforcement so that law enforcement would wrongfully take negative action against me. And that's exactly what happened. All right. Now, was this uh, state employee in any way, uh, can you tie uh, this person to the senator? Um, I know he is a Senate sergeant of arms. Uh, I have been told they know each other and are friends, but I don't know that. But uh, So all I know right now is that the evidence pretty clear of which of the there are 10 sergeant of arms and it's pretty clear uh with state police information who, who it was the name of the person okay so that's where we were when we talked the first time what has changed since then well i can't remember the last time i talked with you but of course uh what happened was uh the troopers in the capitol immediately reported it up their chain without confirming it because they just assumed it to be true who who would lie you know what why would a Senate sergeant of arms just completely give them a made-up story? So without confirming it, they immediately sent it up their chain, and it came uh, to my supervisor, chief of police of my city. And I got told, you need to come in and explain why you were up in the Capitol getting thrown out, you know, being threatening to a senator. Of course, it all didn't It happened. And so— So your job could have been yeah, jeopardized. Yeah. And, uh, and, well, more than that, I can find another job. It's, it's, it's my reputation. Uh, but then the, the three troopers found out within within a few hours, pretty soon, because they talked to the Capitol Police, that this was, a, in fact, a lie. It didn't happen. And they didn't immediately call that up so that it, they could clear the problem that they had caused. They didn't come back and talk, call my boss until days later after I started looking into it and asking questions about, where did you get this false information? Uh, and then I hit a roadblock. They dug their heels in, circled the wagon. And for a while, I could not understand why... The state police were obviously used by the Senate Sergeant of Arms uh, to negatively affect me. The state police were, were duped and used, and I couldn't understand why they weren't aggressively trying to point out and hold responsible the person that made the false allegation until I found out that the Senate Sergeant of Arms, who we allege that did this, is a retired state trooper. So that that's when the, the dots aligned, and I figured, oh, they're protecting one of their own, uh, even though he used them 
to act negatively against me. So then the cover-up began. Then I started running into a lot of broken promises and lies with uh, leaders in the state government. You know, one state employee doing something unethical, that it's sad, but it shouldn't be a huge surprise. But when multiple people in state organizations all act and conspire together uh, to lie uh, and to misrepresent the truth and to not do their jobs, that's when it looks it looks broad, blatant, and horrible. Nice, so... You secured legal representation, and what have they been doing? I mean, Matt, Mike Matheson talked about, I guess, uh, you know, they've, they've started this lawsuit. Uh, I'm going to assume from Matheson's last sentence, which was, can't wait for the depositions to begin, that that part has not started yet. Oh, no, it was the lawsuit was just filed, I believe, on February 21st, so it's still fresh. And what I, I wanted to – I just want – the state government to do the right thing i just simply want them not to do me a favor not to go out of their way but just do what's what should be done regardless of whether i'm here or not and that is there's obvious proof of unethical behavior in government abuse that should be unacceptable so let's act to make sure that doesn't happen again and hold them responsible i gave the state government an entire year to do that uh and not not only did some people do nothing but a lot of unfortunately a lot of people in the state government took action to act unethically to protect that person so i'm 53 years old i've never sued anyone in my life but th- there was no other recourse to get to the truth that i knew of than suing these and so i spent a lot of time talking with people not to just get a lawyer to do it but i kept asking around to people that i knew in the legal industry and that's and and they said there's one guy if i had to do this there's one guy that's got the heart for it and and would really take it as a personal thing not just a job and that's joey mccutcheon um, so I contacted him. He immediately agreed to take it. And, and uh, then through some other people, I found a guy named Whit Hyman, also out of Fort Smith, who's who, again, out of his heart, believes government abuse has to be acted upon legally. And so I've got two attorneys here in Joey McCutcheon and Whit Hyman who are not just doing it because it's something to do. It's, it's something that they believe in. All right. Quick break. Come back. We got more questions. We'll see if... Uh... You know, Ed has more answers, and we're going to keep you up to date on this story. We'll keep, as it evolves, we'll keep bringing up, uh, you know, what people are finding out. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. It's a quarter till four here on 96.5 FM, The Answer. All right, we're back with Ed Monk. He is in studio today with us. Uh, we got another segment to talk to him about this whole deal that went down over at the uh, state capitol. Anything you got to, you want to... You don't want to put the question to Ed? I have to remain um, neutral on this one. <laughs> Why is that? Because he's an advertiser? No, because a family member is involved. Oh, that's <laughs> right. You have somebody on your side of your family somewhere that has connections to the state police. Well, no, that is involved. <laughs> oh, they're involved. In yeah. Okay. That I did so, not uh, know. Yeah, I can't. So you can't I'm not going to get in this one. All I'm right. listening. I'm on Ed's side, though. I mean. <laughs> so. Where are you now, Ed? I mean, when will you know if this is going to move forward or or sideways or whatever? I don't know when. Uh, what's uh, you know pre battle planning? They we filed the lawsuit, so uh, what we're expecting is we're going to get uh, motions to dismiss. They're going to try to come back to the same court we filed in and say this shouldn't go forward because of X, Y, and Z. And they they've already predicted what they think will be all the motions, and they're prepared to fight against those. And then they were also preparing uh, questions. 
uh, to give to uh, potential witnesses where they can ask, confirm or deny this, confirm or deny this, and then we're knee-deep into preparing deposition questions if it goes that far. And that's what I'm hoping for because I've given the state employees a year to just do the right thing, just tell the truth, that's it. And so many of them have refused to do it, so now we're going to hopefully get to put them under oath and see, have them make the choice of tell the truth or perjure themselves. Yeah, and, you know, the punishments for perjury are pretty stiff. Well, yeah, there's criminal there's criminal penalties, and then there's also administrative uh, penalties. But the problem is now with so many of them, now if they finally tell the truth, then that's, that's public proof that they've been lying to me before, before they got put under oath. I right. mean, I, and that, that's the problem because there's there's statements and memos out there they made before they knew it was false and before they knew they had to protect somebody. And then there's statements and memos out there after they knew they'd better try to protect somebody and they don't agree. Um, so what's the truth? Well, the, the, the truth is they know. The truth is the state police, in my opinion, the state police absolutely know who gave them the false memo. Because I have a conversation with one of the troopers there that specifically <laughs> names him, and I've got a memo from an Arkansas State Police captain I got through Freedom of, Freedom of Information Act that also names him. But yet I've got a letter from the director of the state police who says the state police troopers do not know any of the Senate Sergeant of Arms people. So that they, they cannot identify the person because they don't know him. And if I know you, you shared that with that person who said they didn't know him. Uh, yes. Yeah, showing that they did know him. Yeah. And he yep. still sticks with they don't know yep. him. And I've talked to the governor's office. I've talked to uh, the governor's liaison to law enforcement and J.R. Davis and, and gave them this proof. And all I get is, nah, you know, they just don't know. They just don't know. It's a, They're obviously not telling the truth. I mean, I, I don't know of any other way to look at the proof that says one thing and them saying that didn't happen and, and come up to any other conclusion then is they're obviously not telling the truth. Amazing. I, I thought it was amazing when you told me this story the first time. And, uh, well, I guess we'll find out whether it's alleged or it's the truth. And I, I tend to fall on uh, Ed's side, not only because I know him and know him to have a great character, but also uh, when you've got memos that say that they knew who the guy was and then all of a sudden they suddenly forgot who it is. And there's, I had, a, I had a, some big questions yep. there. I had a meeting with the director of the state Senate. Um, within days, she had a meeting with a major in the state police and Al Vernon Rogers, the uh, defendant and in, in the sergeant of arms and the Capitol Police. And then I got a letter generated from her after that meeting that they all had. And she said all protocol was followed and there was no intent to put out incorrect information. But it was put out. Exactly. And protocol no cannot be giving false uh, allegations yeah. against innocent constituents so th- i mean that's the kind of silliness the state government produces and they're so blatant at it they must think they can't pay a price they must think no one will call them on it hopefully this lawsuit will go forward and they'll have to go in and go do it under oath if yeah. it was their reputation it'd be a different story i don't honestly val i, don't, I know i don't think they care about their reputation oh i was gonna say uh, I mean, you don't care but i know you um, do <laughs> can i can i read something very short dave yeah this I, about a week ago i attended every year there's a west point founders day uh dinner and there was one in little rock and i went to it and as graduates of the military academy i hadn't seen this in decades it's the cadet prayer and i'm just going to read a little bit of it make us to choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong and never to be content with a half truth when the whole can be won and i just i when I read that at that event, I thought, how many state employees uh, are 
just outright not doing the right things, just outright lying when the, when the truth would be so easy to do. And they're putting the personal goals of protecting somebody who's done something wrong over their oath to defend the Constitution. And that's just so sad and so dishonorable. Well, I agree with you. I mean, I don't disagree with you. How long do you think they're going to drag this thing on? I honestly don't know. It, it's, it, you know, they, every time there's something done, there's a new time limit that's set. And the, of course the judge plays a role. I don't know. I don't know the judge. I've, again, I've never filed a lawsuit in my life. So I do not know the time frame of, of what will go on. I don't know if so it, you forget about it. That's what they try to do. Uh, you forget I, about it. I, I don't know whether it'll take weeks, months or years. I have absolutely, uh, do not know. All they had to do was say they were sorry and handle it, and then it wouldn't have gone this far. Yep. This is crazy. Yep. One, I know one person did something extremely unethical. They should have said, yep, he did it, screwed up. Not saying he's a bad person, not saying he can't get into heaven. I'm just saying he really <laughs> screwed up, and we right. don't want a state employee doing this, so he's got to go. That, and now and, they're all on the hook. For- yep, and they all just gotten knee-deep into it, and it's just so unethical. Uh, again, one state employee making doing something this wrong, you can understand. But a whole series of people at different levels, including the highest levels of state government, uh, it's pretty sad. Yeah, because if they'll go this far on something, and this is relatively small, yeah, what would they do the if something things. was really big? How much or how far would they go and lie about it? Yep. And the governor's office, secretary of state office, attorney general's office, I asked for help and because – Again, not because that, to help me out personally, but because there, there's obviously unethical conduct inside the state government. That it's either acceptable or it's unacceptable. If you act to get rid of it, then it's unacceptable. If you do not act to get rid of it, then by your inaction, you're saying it's acceptable. And that's what's been sad is how many uh, people in state government have not done anything about it. Uh, one one yeah. state senator that I talked to, not my senator, one state senator I talked to specifically said, I'm willing to talk to you about it, but I will not do anything because one of the people involves a personal friend. So that state senator, I don't know anything else about the person, but I know they put their personal friendship above their oath. Wow. Oh, wow. See, I'm not doing that. Yep. That's, I'm, and as a family member, yep. I'm just not going to get, I'm not going to have the, the opinion. You know what I'm But I love Ed. I believe what Ed does. And I know that Ed is is not the kind of person to t- to tell a fib. Well, when well, something, and I can see in his face when I talk to him, it face turns red because he's angry that and, they've done this. To and him. it's not about me. And, and on all levels, when I talk to people, they say, "What do you want out of this?" And I say, "It should not matter what I want out of it. Right. If I died the day after the false allegation happened, everybody should want to identify mm-hmm. a state employee who did something so blatant <laughs> to anybody because we don't want that kind of unethical <laughs> behavior in state government. I mean, they called your and bo- get your, rid of your boss. Yep. You could have lost your job. That you've had for how long? Eight, ten years. That's crazy. Yep. But that, that's, that's irresponsible. It's, it's not for it's me. Irresponsible. So they're like, okay, Ed, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want out of this? It shouldn't matter what I want. It should just be the right thing, yep. whether I want it or not. Do we want state government making false allegations against constituents to try to bully them and in, intimidate them and try to get them not to communicate with their elected officials? That's a direct, direct violation of the First Amendment. Right. Everybody in government's taken an oath to defend the First Amendment, but yet everybody I've dealt with has either sat on their hands or worked against the First Amendment because to try to protect the Because they don't take it person. serious. Yeah. Unfortunately for too many people, an oath is just something they have to mumble to get their paycheck, yep. and they That's don't right. take it to heart. That's right. Yeah, they don't, uh, they don't take it seriously. Well, I'm sorry you find yourself into this position, but I'm glad that you filed this mm-hmm. lawsuit mm-hmm. because finally it will, it may take a while, but they'll peel the onion and they'll get to the truth. 
This is like a kid sitting them in the corner. They'll sit there for like two, three hours, days if they have to, just to say that they didn't do it when you know daggum well they did do it. They, <laughs> they know they did it. They know I can prove they did it, right. but they still say they didn't. So every, I didn't. <laughs> every time I've gone digging in this, it's gotten uglier. So it, my depositions may make it even uglier than I suspect it is. Well, you come back, tell us whenever there's changes in this. Uh, we'll do. I think the next one is going to be, you know, what the judge will have to de- uh, decide if it goes on or it doesn't. Yeah. What, what, what will be the, like, what would you gain if you won this? Just, I mean, would they have to come out with the truth? Or, I mean, what, in this kind of a circumstance, what, the, what, is that a libel? Or, I mean, how? It's defamation, yeah. Defamation it, Well, character? defamation and libel. And then there's, uh, there's uh, these, att- these attorneys uh, did a lot of research, and they found there's 11 or 12 counts in the lawsuit of violating federal law, uh, mm-hmm. both 1983 and 1985 statutes, as well as Arkansas law, conspiracy to violate someone's civil rights, and then, right. and then defamation. So there's, there's 11 counts built in here. Hmm. And if it's federal law, that means there's mm-hmm. some teeth in the punishment. I'm, I'm hoping so. Okay. Wow. All right, Ed. Appreciate you coming in. Thanks very much. I know that uh, this is something that's been going. See, they'll try to wear you down. That's kind of what they've been doing. They just, you know, ignore you, ignore you, ignore you. Then they'll tell you a little bit of something. Then you find out that that's absolutely false. Then you got to file a lawsuit, and then you got to go through the the lawsuit. And that, in and of, of its in and of itself, takes time. It's like trying to work at the VA. You know, I mean, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. They got more lawyers than you do. That's mm-hmm. just the way it is. At their disposal. Yeah. That's just the way it is. All right. You've heard Ed's story. Ed, be listening to the next hour of the Dave Ellswick Show to hear Steve Hester's story about being involved in a hit and run at Oaklawn, uh, hit by a truck, left for dead, basically, almost did die. The guy ran off. They know who he is. Hot Springs Police hasn't done anything. We'll talk about it when we get back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's get into the 4 o'clock hour. Some of you got through uh, your Thursday now. You only got one day left this week. This is my last day this week. Now, notice I said this week. I didn't say this is my last day. This week, because uh, I'm going to get some dental work tomorrow and getting uh, my mouth all numbed up at 11 o'clock. I'm not exactly sure. You didn't tell me that's what you were doing, and then I made plans to go out well, of town. Well, you were already going out of town. I know. Well, I didn't know I was going to do this Is it, oh, until okay. earlier this week. Ah, so, so it was just a spur so of the moment. Carl Kimball is going to fill in for me tomorrow and uh, take care of that. So um, I will be out of the seat tomorrow. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to talk correctly. For you who don't know, I'm, I'm getting dentures. And uh, I didn't realize it's such a long freaking process is that gonna so are you gonna have them when i come back nope nope. so you're gonna have to take off again uh i will take off uh probably two more times because i gotta go i gotta take off again and be and they're gonna put a wax Mm -hmm. thing in my mouth and all of that and they can actually determine how long the teeth have to be and everything by my teeth on my lower jaw and shape of my shape of my uh, mouth The, the craziness about it is when I go in and have that done, then the next time I come in, the, the appliance will be ready. The appliance. Well, that's what <laughs> I they know. call it. I know. Appliance. It's so funny, though. I'm they got that. It's going to be ready. The washing machine. Right. And, and when they put it in, 
when they put it in, before they put it in, they pull the rest of the teeth that need to come out. And then they put it in right over those freshly, uh, those fresh holes that are going to be You know your jaw's going to hurt because your teeth are going to be sitting well, perfectly how they're supposed to be and your jaw's going to hurt for not, a while. It's not I my jaw that. that I'm worried about. It's the pe- yeah. pulling all those teeth and then just putting the dentures right over top of <laughs> it. And I got to wear it for five days. Can't take it once they put it in. I cannot take it out for oh, five days. Oh my god! So that's going to be interesting. Oh my! So your gums have to adhere. They have to like. So I'm just hoping that they have plenty of opioids. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> they're not outlawed by that. Yeah, I'm just saying. I want. That's to, funny. You know, I got a really high pain threshold. I thought you were going to say I got really high off except, of these one pills, <laughs> except with my mouth. You know, you go in and start mm-hmm. pulling teeth and. The last time they pulled teeth, they had to put stitches in because of it and oh. all kinds of stuff. Uh, I don't do well with that. See, that I'm the opposite. I, me. I hate pain. That's why I won't get a tattoo or any of those kind of things. Like I don't. But when they yanked my wisdom teeth out, I was just like, "Oh, you're done." Okay. <laughs> like they, they, just, they pulled my wisdom teeth. They didn't out. take. They didn't turn, uh, give me anything. Knock you out. Yeah, I had gas. That was my first time I ever had gas. It was like last <laughs> summer. It was about let, Man, last. I get, if I eat a big meal, I always get gas. <laughs> Look, look, though, it was like it was like a year this time last year that I had them taken out and they were just killing me. And they pulled them. They pulled those suckers right out. And I was fine. Like I was eating the next day. They had to yeah. break mine before Ooh, they could get them See, out. I was afraid of that. But oh, the fun stuff. What's mm. really bad is if the roots get around the jawbone and it'll go absolutely down and around and they mm-hmm. got to get in there and dig them out. Well, yeah. he said it was. I mean, I was 44 when I had him taken out, and so I was afraid to get him taken when out. When you look at her, does she look like she's in I the have, 40s? Not. I have gotten I stupider, though, since I lost. <laughs> zero. Hey, Zach, zero in on that. No! I look like a truck hit me today. Look, she's going to... My sinuses are terrible. Gonna, okay, I understand it, but give me a good shot. There you go. Zoom in a little bit. There you go. A little bit more. <laughs> a little bit more. Come on, zoom in. Will you quit? <laughs> yeah, zoom in. Okay. She does not look 44. I am 44. Are you 44 now or you were 44? I were 43. Oh. <laughs> I were, I were. were 43. Well, I'll, I was 43. You get dispensation from that because I know you're on your medicines right now. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah. yeah. I've got like one of each. Yeah. That she's taking because of Claritin, Zyrtec. Pollen's killing me. terrible. All right. My, my guest this hour, you probably thought we'd never get to him. <laughs> Steve Hester is here. I'll give you a full, uh, you know, disclosure. Steve is a member of my church, member of a life group that I attend. I've known him for months, not years, but months. Months. Stand by. Here we go. All right. Back with you. Uh, Arkansas line. Here's what it says. Hot Springs man has been arrested on a felony warrant stemming from allegations that he hit a pedestrian with his vehicle last year and left the scene before authorities arrived. James Chalen Grisham, 41, was taken into custody shortly after 1.30 in the afternoon uh, Tuesday and charged with leaving the scene of an accident involving personal injury. He was also cited for failure to yield to a pedestrian, driving on a suspended driver's license, and no proof of liability insurance. According to a probable cause affidavit on December 23rd, December 23rd, 
This is March the what twenty second day. Twenty second today. So, you know, it's not like uh, the law was moving quickly on this. A man reported being struck by a vehicle shortly after midnight in the south parking lot of Oakland racing and gaming. The victim stated he was walking north through the lot toward the building in a crosswalk when a vehicle struck him. Said the driver of the vehicle parked his vehicle and then assisted him in getting into the building but then left. The victim was complaining of severe pain to his ribs and left knee. Well, six broken ribs and uh, tearing ligaments <clears> in your right? knee give you some severe pain, not to mention a bruised liver and a bruised kidney and uh, a fractured uh, vertebrae and head and injuries and ankle and everything else. Uh, Hot Springs Police Detective Jeff Strachner obtained video of the incident that showed the victim was thrown through the air several feet after being struck by a black pickup. The truck parked. A white male came to where the victim was lying on the ground, helped him get up and get into the building. I guess he did that because it was raining. Uh, The male was then seen leaving the building. The video showed the man clearly, the affidavit states, and he was identified as Grisham through scanned records at Oaklawn and his uh, driver's license. You were thrown through the air. How far do you know? Between 20 and 40 feet. Holy cow. How fast was this guy going? Everything I've read said he had to be going at least 40 miles an hour to throw me that far. Well, you, you, you didn't are read, lucky to be alive. <laughs> you didn't lucky. read the last part, Dave. Uh, uh-huh. This is from Hot Springs, but... um. A warrant for his arrest was later issued. Grisham was previously arrested for driving on a suspended driver's license on June 5th, but failed to appear for a scheduled arraignment on June 30th, 2017. A bench warrant was issued for failure failure to appear, which was served on Grisham Tuesday. Wow. They knew where he was. All this time. All this time. He was driving on a suspended driver's license. No insurance. Heck, we don't even know if his car was registered. I know someone like that it, right now. It's his ex-wife's truck. Oh, Lord. Yeah. A real winner is what it sounds like. Right. A, a real winner. All right. So we're getting close to the bottom of the hour. There's more of this we want to talk about. Uh, I mean, wh- where are you right now, Steve? I mean, wh- what do you want to pursue besides this whole thing of the uh, this guy hitting you? Of course, you want him to. You want justice to him. I do want justice. And, and But and, December 23rd, and now you're at March 22nd, you know, is there anything going on in your head about you want to take on the Hot Springs police and find out what the heck was going on? Uh, probably, and and maybe Oakland. It's, it's amazing how many people have been ran over in Oakland and nothing ever comes of it. Hmm. Because people leaving there, and well, see, that would, they would have some responsibility if people are leaving there and hitting people. Exactly. So, yeah, I can see that. That's called you're serving them too much liquor, right? You're supposed to be keeping an and eye, and you're on responsible that. for that. Yeah, yep. yeah, I agree. All right, so uh, there, like I said, we'll talk some more about this. Steve Hester is our uh, guest. Steve is a uh, is a well known musician here in the area. He really is well known, and uh, again, he's going to be up for a national award here shortly but uh, he's going to suffer from this uh, from this accident for the rest of his life he's going to 
affect your walk, right? Certainly. I mean, I, I def, people ask me if my legs hurting all the time because I'm limping. I'll probably limp forever, but are they, are they talking about any kind of, uh, you know, surgery on your knee or anything? The, the, uh, Dr. Martin, who is my surgeon, the, has actually said that at this point, he doesn't think I should, you know, lots of people walk around with a torn ACL and to, to try to repair it at this stage would probably cause more damage than, than it would help. All right. We'll come back. We'll talk more with Steve on the Dave Ellswick show. You know, we try to keep up with these local stories and you're hearing an interesting couple today. Here's the news. All right. Don't forget April the 1st, we will move on up. Not a joke. That's right. It's not April (laughs) Fool's Day. It is a true thing that's going to happen. On April 1st, we will no longer be at 96.5 FM, uh, the answer. We're taking over. We've bought 101.1 FM uh, here, and the answer will be on 101.1 FM. Uh, For you who are driving home right now and you go, Dave, I wish I could hear you clearly all the way to Conway. (laughs) You will be able to hear me all the way to Conway. In fact, if you're going past and going to Moralton, you'll hear us all the way to Moralton. If you want to hear us in Greenbrier, you'll hear us there. Valonia, you'll hear us there. And we're going to be in all of that area. Uh, Our tower now, instead of being down in England, is going to be on top of Chenal Mountain. 650 feet um, above uh, the area, and we just blow I'm a, I'm right I'm going to go climb there. it. Go all the way around. Yeah, I should climb it up there. I'm afraid. We should do a, that's what we should do for a promotion. We should go climb the yeah, new tower, Dave. I, I'll I, do it. No. This is more Clarendon. Here's my, no. <laughs> here's my reason for not climbing it. With all of the towers up there, uh-huh. I have no idea how Which, much RF is being blown around there. Right. I mean, by the time you get to the top, your liver might be cooked. That's I'm just true. saying. You know, so again, 101.1 FM starting April 1st. Now, you know what's going to happen. What? I'm going to get on my show and I'm going to be like, we're back. No, no, I'm going to be like, we're back on the Dave Ellswick show because yeah. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> Zach was just like, I was like, wait, this is my show. Yeah, I do that <laughs> on the car and truck doctors all the time. <laughs> and, I, and I'll be like, this is 96.5 FM. Oh, wait, no, it's 101.1 now. <laughs> okay, so. We were talking to Steve during the break. I, I want to move away from this hit and run accident just for a moment because you got to hear these stories that we were just talking about. You brought Johnny Winter final the time that he ever was in Little Rock because he died just a few days later, and you opened for him and in his group. I did. Did you get to play with him? No, I did not. Johnny, he he got to where he just didn't let you do that anymore, so I didn't even ask. But uh, you know, we got to meet him. Paul Nelson, his guitar player, uh, we're we're still friends. Tommy Curry Alley, his drummer, we're friends. Uh, all on Facebook, you know. Facebook is such an awesome media if you right. you know to meet people and stay friends with them and stuff. That's matter of fact, that's how Marianne and I reconnected. So, so are you going to? Does it does this affect your guitar playing at all? It does not. It, it it might affect my stage presence a little. I'll have to tone down a little bit i won't be able to stomp my left foot anymore like okay. i used to but but i'll you know i'll still be playing i've got some good gigs coming up so where are you going to be playing at well any place close that people can go see it maybe but right now we're working on and i hope it happens we're working on uh, the michigan motor speedway 
thing in June. Three three shows out there. So wow. I hope that happens. Yeah, well, yeah. I hope I didn't just nix it by getting on the nah. air. But, but, uh, I'm good luck, not bad luck. That and uh, Rick Bazette has contacted me about possibly doing some things at some new life churches. So Cool. Rick, so, Rick's got it going. He understands music a little bit. He does, and that'd be, a, you know, if we do that, well, I'll sure be letting everybody, anything local, I'm going to let everybody local yeah, know Yeah, I got to hear. Yeah. I want to see if, I've heard your recordings and stuff. I want to hear you live. That's a big deal. All right, so you said. Maybe we could do a grand opening, you know, sometime after you move. That'd be kind of cool. I'll have you come in, just bring an acoustic, have you play. So you tell me, okay, so Johnny Winter, who is one of the great blues guitarists, uh, guitarists, what album was it that he had? Was it Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo, the album that he was on the front? I remember that. And he's got his his head back and that blonde hair yeah just kind of hanging behind him now that song's in my head and you know he didn't write he didn't write that song but he had the bigger hit out of it oh yeah rick uh rick derringer Derringer. yeah he 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 had a hit and they performed it together which was the biggest thing for both of them and when they did it together it was really cool for you val rick derringer played with the edgar winter group as well but uh he also was part you know you ever heard the song hang on snoopy Mm mm-hmm He's got to wrote it. <laughs> yeah, he wrote oh, that. Really? He sure did. I didn't know that. Yeah. He's, he's been around a while. I'm just telling you. And, and he he's can back. play. And he's, he's in the blues circuit now. He's traveling, doing blues shows. Well, he can play. He can play. He's he, awesome. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, rock and roll Hoochie Coo. I love love his version of it. He's yeah. really good. He's got, I always wondered what Hoochie Coo meant, but I'm not going to ask. You can figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you can figure it out. But he, he can. Uh, of course, I was young. Then. He was really good with that kind of machine gun sound yeah. with his guitar. Yeah. Yeah. So did you did you ever run into his you know Johnny's brother Edgar? I've never run into Edgar. I'd love to meet Edgar. You know, and I remember a story that BB King told about both of them. They said he was at a he was at a blues bar in Texas, uh, and the two whitest that's, that's never going to end no, right. The I'm two whitest guys he'd ever seen in his life <laughs> yeah. were sitting out there, and he thought they were IRS agents because they were, <laughs> they were dressed in suits, so nice. And they asked if he could, if they could set in with him, and he said. You know who says no to the IRS? Right. So he told them, yeah. And they've built a lifelong friendship after that. Boy, I bet you they killed it. Oh, the you three know of them did. together, you just know throwing it back did. and forth? Yeah. Holy cow. I, I was telling Steve, I saw Edgar, not Edgar, pardon me. I, uh, BB. BB King. Saw BB King when I was in college. It was my junior year in college. And uh, at Moorhead State University, Moorhead, Kentucky. And he, he played a three-hour show, played for an hour and a half, and took a break. And he was one of the most down-to-earth people I've ever seen. He came up, sat down at the edge of the stage with a folding chair, and just talked to anybody who came up and signed anything anybody presented to him. The other guy that I ran into that uh, I ended up in, I, I've been doing radio forever, all right? I was doing my own radio show there at Moorhead, and I interviewed Harry Chapin. And I think Harry Chapin, even to this day, one of the best writers that I've ever heard. Cats in the Cradle. Cats in the Cradle, and scenes that made America great, lots of great, uh, what was it, uh, 10,000 Pounds of Bananas, the true story about in New, uh, New York City where the truck went out of control carrying 10,000 Pounds of Bananas. He wrote a, so- a song about it. It was hilarious. How do you, okay, I was going to say. It crashed at the bottom of a hill. He lost his brakes. Now could, that is some creative music writing. Could not stop it. Bananas, lost truck. 
Yeah, crash. Crash. And, <laughs> and 10,000 pounds. I'm thinking about level. a milkshake right now. Yeah, so the bottom line was really, uh, he was really, really great and uh, enjoyed it. He forded like an eight-inch snowfall in the Appalachian foothills to come. His band didn't make it. Hmm. He just stood up there, and it was him and his guitar and a makeshift sound system they put together for him. Uh, he did did about two and a half hours, and when he got all uh, done, the, uh, the the college didn't want to pay him. Oh, because the full band because, because the, the full, full band, band was not there. However, uh, I was a rabble rouser even then, and I went on my show that night and talked about it and had the interview with him and had asked him about it, and he went on for about 15, 16 minutes in the interview. And last I heard, he'd gotten his check for all. Because he <laughs> at that point, he wasn't making, you know, he didn't need the money. Right. All right. Canson Cradle was giving him a bundle of money just from that song. And all the money that he uh, made, he bought school buses Aww. for kids. That's wow. cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, oh, he. That's music's good old days. Yeah, That's Taxi. One of my all-time yeah. favorite songs by Harry Chapin. You could make some money if you had a hit song back then. Now those now days are that, gone. Yeah, just... yeah, it's it's finished. Yeah. So, uh, you got anybody in the in the future you're going to be playing with that you know of? Not right now. I'd love to. I mean, maybe Satriani or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah Satriani. That'd Satriani. be a good one. Yo, Satriani. Yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. I'll come. Yeah, he's Bring the my same son. way. He's he's one of those guys, and you're the same way because I've I've heard people talk about how you take and bring your own feel to guitar playing well it took a while you know I, I struggled with it for about 30 years trying to sound like everybody else and then one day somebody just said why don't you just be you that's what because you know what you are really good thank well, you that's you know and that's what i told my son when they started playing my son he's amazing on the guitar and the bass but and the other one plays the drums but i told him i was like don't do covers first of all people hate you if you can't do it right <laughs> so yeah. and they'll always well, remember that he, so they don't do they always do original music and he always plays himself and he is just self-taught he's just amazing i have to always give my son props there is but an audience though for for uh original oh yeah there is original there is. style is. covers right. you do you take it and make it your own right instead of somebody else's but most of the time when i hear somebody do a cover i'm like oh that's not yeah. how it's supposed to be <laughs> and well, i won't you, listen to him again you know rooster boy right yeah yeah okay so i, I gotta get him on the air again michael ship yeah michael, michael ship, ship good, yeah. good good man and uh you ever you ever played with him? I have not, but he's I'd love really to. good too. Yeah, Michael, I'm I'm here anytime you're ready, brother. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. You know what I'm going to do? We should have put to a I'm benefit gonna get, show I'm going to get him here and bring you in, and I'll let you two jam on the air. Cool. We so, should do a show. We, yeah, we can get that done. We could benefit we the veterans. Yeah, we could. Benefit. Which I have some yeah. announcements I'm when we come back that I want to make. I'm also always for benefiting veterans. Yes. Okay. Me so, too. Okay. So where are you? in this process now this guy is going to be arraigned on the 3rd of april correct you're going to be there well, right my wife and i will both be there yes you want to look him in the face we're going to look him in the face and say that's the guy that that ran over me and i want him i want mm -hmm. him to pay the full penalty okay yeah because you got to be careful about judges oh yeah if we're not there who knows right. even if we're there who knows but. yeah that's true you know what's going to happen and uh has has the um Hot Springs police sent you any correspondence, called you or anything to say, hey, we're really sorry that this took so long? No. That's ridiculous. Did a get well card from Oakland? No. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I know the answer to all of this, but I'm just saying. You know, you would think they'd get to. well. Yeah. Then they would well. admit some kind of a 
guilt or some they had to, something to do with it no, i mean it's bottom line you know we heard you got hurt i'm sorry to, to well, they obviously hurt. don't care yeah well i didn't say that they did <laughs> I know, you know bottom line that out, Dave. all right what i mean these were investigators has the chief of police gotten involved with this in hot springs i haven't spoke to the chief uh we did speak to a lieutenant my wife did and who actually told her there were going to be no charges filed at all and then after we contacted the FBI three Did, days. No, wait. And when she asked that, he said that. That's ridiculous. I know your wife, all right? <laughs> you do. So there were some questions that had to have come out of her mouth exactly after he said that. What did What did he say that could ever make that a legitimate thing? Nothing. I mean, he said, he said that the guy said, I told him I was okay, and that he helped me, and that should be the end of it. Ah. Yeah. He helped you. Yeah, he helped, helped you get broken helped me, ribs. Helped he helped you lose exactly. the loose of your leg. And oh helped me God. into the building 15 minutes after he ran over me. Yeah, right. leaving you in yeah. the rain. Were you laying on your stomach or on your back? On my back. So you're getting the face full of rain. Exactly. Right oh, that's, that's terrible. That's Absolutely terrible. terrible. All right, we'll come back. We'll finish it up for uh, this uh, 4 o'clock hour. It, you know, today has been one of those days where it just so happens that a couple of the, the guests that I got on uh, are people that have been wronged, basically, as we would say, by the system. And if you don't hold people responsible, they'll keep getting away with it. They will. So you got to hold them responsible. It may seem like it ain't going to happen. I know for a fact Steve thought it wasn't going to happen. Ever. Yeah. I, I, I knew Ed Monk thought that it wouldn't happen. And then, you know, God has a way of getting to justice. And so we're going to see justice served, uh, in both of these cases. All right. We got 12 minutes till let's take a break here on the Dave Ellswick show. Okay. Let's continue. Starship. Before we go any further, let me turn it over to Val for just a second. Steve, stay where you're at. All right. Val, what announcements do you have about vets? Okay, well, there are a couple of things um, going on this weekend. Um, Starting tomorrow, the Veterans Advisory Council for French Hill's office, he does this um, in different counties in his district. Um, Friday, February 23rd, which is tomorrow, 11 to 1230, uh, at Fairfield Bay Conference Center on uh, Lost Creek Parkway, they're going to be having their advisory council meeting. And it's just one of those things that French likes to get in he likes to get in and talk to the people in his district, especially sure. veterans, because he works a lot with veterans. He has three representatives. I don't know if everyone's familiar with that, but he has one in Conway for that help veterans. Um, he's one of, I think, one of the only in our state that has three mm-hmm. uh, veterans rep. But um, you can contact Richard Maxwell or David Carnahan at French's Little Rock office here at 501-324-5941 if you want more information on that. But Basically, it's just to come together and find out what the problems are going on with veterans and, you know, just helping them get cases going and getting some of their paperwork, their DD-214s and all that good stuff. But also on Saturday, there is a Veterans Benefit Fair at Pulaski County Community Services. They're hosting a free Veterans Benefit Fair from 9 to 1 at UA Pulaski Tech in North Little Rock uh, Campus Center Building. The Grand Hall. They put that sign up on the VA hospital place in uh, 430 or 630. Oh, they good. Good, because the vendors are going to share information, answer questions regarding health care needs, and perform wellness checks. 
But the Central, Arcan- Central Arkansas Veterans Healthcare System and the Department of Veterans Affairs will assist veterans in signing up for benefits for making claims. Um, veterans are asked to bring their DD-214, and spouses are also encouraged to come. For more information, you can call Carlos Cervantes at 501-340-6157. Cool. Val keeps, us, Val keeps us up on up to date on this. All right, so walk us through this again. On April the 3rd, this guy's going to be arraigned. That's correct. All right, then they'll set trial date that day, won't right. they? Right. So then you'll know when the start of the end will finally come. Exactly. Okay. And Oh, by the way, he posted $2,500 bond and got out already. $2,500? Which means Which is 250 bucks. That's $250, right. yeah. Right. It's tough to get out of jail now. For destroying someone's yeah. life. Basically. Exactly. Well, you're still going. But he, he can't, but he can't if it wouldn't have been life. you, what if it was someone else who couldn't pick up the pieces? Right. Yeah, but he can't do like Alvin Lee and 10 years after now start saying, do the stomp. No, no, do the stomp. I can't stomp anymore. He can get, yeah, he can't stomp anymore. Well, you should sue him for that. Exactly. Steve, we'll have to get you back on and, and, and get Rooster Boy on here with us. Sure. <laughs> And uh, have I you guys play a little bit and just and just talk some uh, rock and roll, some blues and rock and roll. I'll tell you, Rooster Boy, with his good buddy from uh, down in Saline County, Mister Slingblade, uh, <laughs> they used to play some Sling really, Blade. you know, yeah, Slingblade. You know, he. I'm talking about mustard uh, biscuits. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking, talking. I can't uh, do it. They, <laughs> oh the two, the two of them. Used to do uh, ZZ Top covers. Yeah, he did some and, stuff with ZZ Top. And ZZ Top yeah. loved them. Yeah. They said that they played as good as they did when they were sober. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, Before I'm, the beards. I'm just kidding. All right. I'm just kidding. But yeah, they they were really, really good at at that. So, yeah, we could, I can get Rooster Boy on. I got his number. I'll get a hold of him. We'll set it up and get you in on a Friday and we'll do just do like an hour and a half to the two of you together. Perfect. And I'll say, guys, just talk to each other as you guitars i wish i would have there's something else i wish i would have brought up earlier in the show what youtube is banning gun gun videos yeah. that's crazy yeah like not ha- like how to clean your like how to clean your gun everything they're banning them it's google it will go away i'm just telling you this a lot some of the stuff's going to go away because it's just ignorance that's propelling it and it, it will go away all right remember i will not be here tomorrow gonna have something done to my mouth by the dentist so <laughs> Won't be here tomorrow. Be back with you Monday. Monday, good show. We got, of course, Conduit for Action. We've got Robert Steinbach in a special interview at 4 o'clock with Jan Morgan. She'll Mm -hmm. be here in studio. So I'm looking forward to that. And live right here on the uh, Facebook Live. That old Facebook. Absolutely. And don't forget, April 1, no longer on 96.5 FM, but will be at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Talk to you again on Monday. I'm Dave Carl Kimball in for me tomorrow.